This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never, the movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. Today, I am joined by two friends. Surprise! Bob and Jess, and we're going to be discussing a movie that they've never seen before, 2001. A Space Odyssey. And for the record, my name is Dave, and I'm your host. Dave. What's up, guys? Hey. hey. We're here. So the colon is silent. You don't say 2001 colon A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to, I think. <laughs> That's, I mean, isn't there, or isn't there like a, a, a pause you need for like 2001? A Space Odyssey. Exactly. Yeah, you got to put some yeah. right? energy behind it. Well, do you do that for Mission Impossible? Oh, man. Wait, there's Wait. colons in that? Yeah. yeah, it's between the mission and the impossible, right? <laughs> I have no idea. No, it's Mission Impossible, colon, whatever stupid name yeah, no, they the have name for of it. it. I think it's Mission, colon, impossible, colon, the name <laughs> of whichever one they do, actually. <laughs> Wait, there's there's the, definitely an ellipsis in there somewhere. Those are all the Tom Cruise movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, I bet he demanded something. Well, also, you guys clearly haven't seen all of those, so we're going to have to come back <laughs> oh, and do that no, whole series, too. we did see one on TV, like, four months ago, where it was, like, overreacted, and there's a guy slowly trying to stab <laughs> Tom Cruise in the eye or somewhere, and it just seemed like it was Walker, Texas Ranger, and I didn't, it, it didn't make sense that this was a movie that would cost millions of dollars to make it that bad. It sounds like you were probably watching number two, which is the bad one. Oh, yeah. But I can't there's a be helicopter sure. In it. Is there a good one? Well, there's five good ones no. and one bad one. Yeah. I don't know about that. There should be a Mission Impossible and a Fast and the Furious off. I just oh think that Tom God, Cruise is awesome. not a convincing actor at all. But also, like, as an action hero, he doesn't oh. seem, even though he's only been really in action movies. Hard disagree. Well, you can disagree. You won't it. find an actor who's better at running than Tom Cruise. <laughs> he is good at running. I will give you that. Laughing. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so charming. But he's so manic. I mean, before the Scientology thing, he was <laughs> Is there a before crazy. Scientology for him? <laughs> well, I don't know. But before I think for I any knew of us, about it. Really? I thought he was right. weird. There was something off. go clear off. right now. Yeah. Um, oh, but there is an actual movie that we are watching today, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, 2001. So, uh, guys, I'm really glad that we're doing this one. This is like, I mean, so far I've done a lot of like big movies like Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters. I've done a few cult hits like um, Suspiria and Hellraiser. Suspiria? Yeah, it's a horror movie. Clearly, I like horror. Definitely didn't want, I don't want to watch horror. Someone said this was horror and I got scared. 
Well, we'll find I out about that. I won't say who, but this person was, I think she was gaslighting us. Okay. Oh, and we're doing gaslight in a few weeks uh, too. <laughs> but um, this is uh, one of the like really big like historical films that I feel like I really had to cover. So I'm really glad you're giving me this opportunity. I've only seen it once too, so I'm glad for the chance to watch it again. It's not a cult hit, hit cult film? No, for me, like a cult hit is one like Suspiria where... It's something that you'd know about if you were into that kind of movie and that like genre, right? Yeah, you know. So Suspiria is a cult horror movie, or um, but Kubrick's kind of culty. Well, there certainly is a cult around him as a director. I would agree. Like with a real that. cult or not? Probably a real cult, oh, yeah. but also just like you know, people worship the guy. I'm a little more touch and go with him, but we'll talk about that a little more mm. later. Although, just off the bat, uh, you guys, Kubrick, yay or nay? What other stuff did he do? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> obviously not that much of a film buff. <laughs> um, a few of his films. Uh, all right. Paths of Glory. Nope. Lolita. Chariots yes. of Fire. He did Chariots of Fire? No, he didn't do Chariots <laughs> okay, of Fire. Paths of Glory is a similar title, oh. but different movies. Um, Spartacus. He did Spartacus? Did we, did yeah. we see that? No, he didn't. Yeah. He did Spartacus. Are you, Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, the old one. <laughs> He's <laughs> Is dead. Is there a new one? <laughs> a Clockwork Orange. No, this is Sparta, think. whatever that is. Oh, no, not 300. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you were thinking 300. No. I, I was like, that's got to be wrong. No. Spartacus is the one where they go, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Yeah. I am Spartacus. Technicolor dream. It was in Technicolor, right? <laughs> Is it Technicolor? It is. It is probably in Technicolor. It's the right era for that. But um, it's also not to be confused with um, what's his face in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh right, yeah. No, um, I wasn't thinking. Is Spartacus about. the movie they reference in Clueless? Probably. What reference are you thinking of? I don't know. It's a movie. That's well, anyway. Okay. Running through the rest of his stuff, he made a Clockwork Orange, The Shining. Okay, yes. Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. The Shining. Right. Eyes Wide Shut. Speaking of Tom Cruise. Oh. He did Eyes Wide. Oh. And uh, some of AI, but he died before he finished it. Oh, that's right. Um, With Ailey Joel Osment. Ailey Joel. I guess I. What's yeah. his name? Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, that's right. Osment. Osment. I would say. It's not that I'm I'm neutral. Okay. I like some of his work. Yes. I'm I'm the same as you. I like some of his work. I don't like others. I'm kind of, it's he's a little, you know, he hits hard and he misses hard for me. Mm. I won't say which one this is until part He's like two. the American Lars von Trier. Um Is he American? He is American. Okay. That is an interesting comparison. I kind of like that comparison. Yeah. Maybe we should explore that a little I was more. Thinking that. When we come back after we've watched okay. the movie. But um Let's just talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about what you guys know about this movie specifically. So, guys, this film, what do you know about this film? <laughs> Are you sure you don't want us to talk about every other film except this film? Because <laughs> we're, we're good at that. Good at that. <laughs> I don't mind doing that because sometimes the tangents are um, free association, are worth it. Music, boring, horror, because someone said horror. Where'd you um, get boring? Uh, actually, a couple of people have. Oh, like, really? We're watching it. They're, they're like, oh, that's a snooze fest. <laughs> okay. Um, What do I know? Yeah, The soundtrack. I guess that was my first intro to it. Interesting. So um, do you think you know what the music is going to be? No. I just remember, wasn't there yes. some- Yes. You do? <laughs> 
Do you want to do 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 right? Maybe. Yeah. We'll find out. Definitely in there. Sounds like. And there's like some sort of like obelisk that's like spinning, or like the glass from Krypton that has those three villains that's like floating through space. Oh, it sounds like he's. Oh yeah, yeah, the Phantom Zone. You know more than me. I I just have flashes of when it was on. I'm like, no, it's boring. Go away. (laughs) <laughs> but you like sci-fi most of the time. I don't think this is sci-fi. I oh. think this yeah, is see, like, I have no idea what's going on. This is oh. humans in space. I just thought it was like... An- <laughs> well, wait wait a second. I'm sorry. So it's it's not sci-fi, but it is humans in space? Right. Interesting. Okay. Just, like, just like the International Space Station is not sci-fi. It's humans in space. So wait, it's how like, do you define that's boring. the sci-fi genre? I mean, it happened. Then. It's like the NASA channel. How do you define the genre sci-fi, of sci-fi? There's excitement. Like uh, so sci-fi requires and- action. Yes. Yeah, I guess I see this as being arty. Okay. Like, because I remember at some point, maybe there's like a remastering of the soundtrack that I learned of when I was in middle school. Hmm. I don't know, but I just remember. Oh, i sure I went all over Vermont. Well, and they just played it at the Somerville Theater, I believe. Yes. And it was like a, a I think it was like a remastering of. Yeah, I think it was the uh, 50th anniversary. They yeah. re-released it a little bit. And, 50! Uh, yeah, this came out in 1968. Yeah, it's the it oldest film that we've covered for oh, the podcast by far. sci-fi oh. back then, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wait, was there a man on the moon the year after? Um. Oh, my God. Yeah, our, I our think the year ignorance. after. What, did we land on the moon in 69 or 67? I think 69, because that would be the greatest year to land on the moon. <laughs> real mature wow bob real mature bob i'm sure Man. that's what the president was thinking too in russia teen boys must have had so much fun that year. <laughs> just like so immature <laughs> so awesome and 35 um, year old men it turns out yeah that too no jess that's the the big secret of the podcast is how old we really are <laughs> thank oh, you shoot. jess yeah, sorry i don't want to i don't want to give it away <laughs> i didn't know who you were talking about at first and then i realized you're talking about oh no me. That's my christ age. i hate myself anyway <laughs> you could be younger that's just bob's age wow that's just his routine. oh that's Come true on. yeah yeah i'm just the 27 year old you hang out with. <laughs> um you keep us young dave <laughs> I'm the wrong guy for that. <laughs> uh, okay, so you, you, sorry, so Jess, you said Artie, Bob, you have said horror. Yes, thriller, thriller, probably is what people have corrected me to. Hmm. But suspenseful. That actually surprised me when someone said that. I almost didn't want to see it. Okay, I kind of picture it being something like, um, you know, Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not saying that incorrectly yeah. uh, i kind of picture it being a similar vibe to that where it's very like a very still movie mm-hmm. and aesthetically very beautiful right and so every frame is you know i see your latin sci-fi flick and i will raise it to <laughs> another latin sci-fi flick and i think this is more like melancholia Ooh, yeah but along the same lines yeah right yeah where it's kind of like drawn out a bit i liked melancholia actually people didn't like it but i i kind of like movies where the people represent concepts or like it's a little abstracted yeah Yeah. do you know who directed melancholia lars yeah so mr lars tying it back into your prediction or at least what the 
the similarity between the two directors, which again, I think uh, there's some accuracy to that. Um, well done, Bob. Yeah. All right. Any other predictions? Mm. Um, the machine wins. There's a machine. I yeah. mean, whatever man creates that he wants to control. Okay, so there's a machine. Do you know well, its name? Well, I didn't, except the more I told people we were watching this, the more people <laughs> said this person's name. Hale. Okay. So Hal humans create Hale? a machine. Well, that's my, if I was from Rochester, which I am, I would say Hal. 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 So it's Hal. No, I say Hal. I say Hal. Hal. Okay. But it could be Hal. Um, I think that it's probably mostly white cast of men in space. In the late 1960s, that's a good guess. <laughs> Pretty strong, strong guess. And then there's some sexy women. Sexy women, okay. So, Or maybe a sexy robot, female robot. White men and sexy women slash robots, question mark? Mm. <laughs> Which I laugh, but is actually not a bad prediction. <laughs> also, you never know. Sometimes if it is like the arty movie I'm thinking it might be. They branch out with really trying to think of the future as like a more diverse place. Yeah, like Star Trek. In 1968? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, Star Trek, yeah. Star Trek is of that same era, and they, you know, they put the black people had, on the bridge with yeah. Uhura, mm-hmm. not in the most important of roles, because it was still a slightly retrograde society Wait, back then, but they were Star trying. Trek start? It started in the 60s? 60s. Yeah, 60s. Or late 50s. I think it was the 60s. Early 60s. I'm going to. Really? I'm a terrible Star Trek fan, but I was also a next gen guy, so I know more yeah. about that mm. one. Jesus but um, Star Trek also, uh, television's first interracial kiss. That's right. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yep. So it could be something along those lines. That's first, what I'm hoping for. But and not just that. women. They put a Russian guy on the bridge, too. <laughs> Although that was after uh, the Soviet Union. Like, I don't know if it was officially or not, but they complained that a famous American sci fi show had no Russians on it because they're like, you know, we got to space first. <laughs> And oh, you have no Russians on your space show, so they added Chekhov in season two. Yeah. Why did we... That's funny that we would respond being like, oh, you're right. Okay, let's... Eh, they're probably just like the people running the show were like, yeah, that's a good point. Eh. We'll, we'll throw a Russian guy on there. Mm. I'm half remembering this, but I'm pretty sure there's a um, East German uh, cartoon from that era that it's all about an astronaut squirrel, and it's made in Russia. And it was, and people like it. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so it would, I mean, I'll, it seems like we're hitting on inductively a theme about space and like the advancement of humanity across cultures, and it was really big. Mm-hmm. In this well, I also wonder: is two thousand one the year, or is it like two thousand and one aliens? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Worst, I didn't think <laughs> right when you said that. <laughs> Why wouldn't 2000 aliens be enough? Why 2001? I don't, it's no, I'm saying in the There's name, a sale on aliens, a, aliens. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'm just saying, is it the year there? Is it a space odyssey that happens in 2001? Yes, or well, that's what I assumed, but I don't know. 2001 is like a random year. So it could just be a count of how many space odysseys. <laughs> it's just one of yeah, the thousand. You guys haven't could, seen the movie yeah, yet. Yeah, it could be the wow. number of odysseys that have happened. That would blow my mind. It if could that was be really the, the number of aliens they encountered on this odyssey. 
Okay. I think that's uh, a good number of predictions. Um, so a few other questions. Um, I mean, Bob, you've been mentioning it so far, but has this movie been at all hyped for you by other people or by like, you know, cultural references? Uh, people have strong reactions to this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, I feel la- like there's a strong love it or hate it with this one. Maybe with Kubrick in general, but I think particularly this film. Hmm. It's like if you're I think you probably have to be in the mood for this film. And if you're not, then you're like, this is a really boring film. Well, what mood do you think that is, Bob? I don't know. I just burped into the vibe. Sorry. <laughs> don't worry. We'll edit that out. Okay. We, we can edit all that out. Don't uh, worry. Bad. I'm not going to edit out anything. <laughs> no. uh, what mood do you have to be in to watch 2001 A Space Odyssey? You need to be in a mood where, I guess because it's older, you have to know the context. Because I want to be wowed by a movie's like special effects, and I feel like this is not going to do it. Hmm. This is going to... like. I'm just going to be like, okay, well, they tried. There's nice claymation. And, <laughs> um, oh, but what they're really intending, like maybe the meaning behind the imagery is going to be really powerful. I'm hoping for that. Uh, and you got to, I guess you have to be expecting an RT film, like an art house film, like Melancholia. If you go into Melancholia and you want an action film, you're going to leave in like 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like what? Although you do see the world blow up in the first five minutes, right? Yeah, it gets. Oh yeah, because they do the overture, right? So European, (sighs) so pretentious. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Jess? What was the question? (laughs) How many aliens (laughs) are? I was really thinking about the aliens. Two thousand and one. Has this movie been hyped for you? Oh, um, yeah. I guess in a similar way to what Bob was saying, where. People just said that it's actually I haven't really talked about it too much with people, but one person said it was boring, which it was a it surprised me that he said that. So that changed my my thoughts about what the movie is actually like. That seems to be the overwhelming uh, consensus amongst the people you've talked to about it. Yeah. Sounds like. Although it's on. I Googled a hundred best movies of all time and it's on that list oh yeah yeah but then i feel like the people who have seen it and who went to see it when it was in somerville um i don't know just made me think that it is a good movie worth watching and that whatever i envision is actually true but i don't know well guys we're gonna find out Mm -hmm. can i make one more uh prediction please do something similar to planet of the apes is gonna happen I feel like that's going to happen. Well, what do you mean by that? Like in the Planet of the Apes, at the end, there's like some th- like moment where you realize, I guess it's like the Statue of Liberty is in the ground. I don't know. For some reason, it's spoiler alert. Oh, if you haven't no, watched. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. joking. Everyone knows that happens in Planet oh, okay. of the Apes. <laughs> Sorry for anyone who's not watched that movie. You should definitely talk to Dave. Which also I think is from 1968. Is it? I think they're from the same year. Maybe yeah. that's why I confuse the two because I feel like there's a, what whatever memory I have of this. There's like there's something about the two movies that are the same, and hmm. I, I feel like I watched one, so I don't need to watch the other one. Interesting. But you you think it'll be like the ending of Planet there's, of the Apes where there's something at the end, long or yeah, there's like a big something twist. where you're like, oh my god, it's the future but the past. Right, right. Hmm. Someone's got to die. But I've never thought about aliens. So if there are aliens in this, I will be well. They're in shocked. space. 
I mean, people usually die in space movies. It's just a matter of, do they die in an accident or are they killed mm. by something horrible? Or I guess, you know, do they die what in a space war? What are you telling us, Dave? Yeah. Do you I hope there's something, something very movie? clever. Well, guys, I guess we're about to find out for ourselves. You looking dun, forward to it? Dun, dun, as long as Bob's not Yes, I am looking forward to it. Yes. Right on. Let's do it. Wait, Bob, can you uh, can you sing us out one more time? Nice. All right, let's watch this shit. <laughs> Dave, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? No, not at all. I've wondered whether you might be having some second thoughts about the mission. How do you mean? Rumors about something being dug up on the moon. I never gave these stories much credence, but particularly in view of some of the other things that have happened, I find them difficult to put out of my mind. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What are you talking about, Hal? This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Stop it, it hurts. It hurts. Dun, 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 dun. So we're back. Volume down. Sorry. <laughs> um. Wow. That was some wow. Yeah. A I lot mean, of wow. Damn. My brain hurts. Your brain hurts, really? Yeah, kind of. I mean, my, my brain feels a little uh, stretched. Mm-hmm. Um, it, took, it took a lot. We did also just watch a nearly three-hour movie. Yeah. You know, it went by a lot faster than I thought it was going to. I think maybe I prepared for what would feel like a five-hour-long movie. Mm. I think, for me, it it kind of was 
a little column A and a little column B. Like there were parts of the movie where I was just like, oh my God, this is interminable. Mm-hmm. And then there were parts of it where I, I was thinking, this is amazing. So yeah, I mean, visually, I, I got to give it props. Like I was impressed. I thought that it definitely had some like futuristic vibes even now. Oh yeah. But then sometimes the pacing felt like cross stitching. And I've never done that, but I just assume it's gonna it's painful and painstaking and hmm. slow. Hmm. Just like All right. Well, um let's get into it. So usually when we come back in part two, I start with a little bit of background. So um after making Doctor Strange Love, uh Stanley Kubrick got really interested in aliens and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. And so he decided After Doctor Strange Love? After Doctor Strange Love. Is there any connection to that? No, I think it was just like he finished that project and that was just what he got kind of into. Aliens, that hand really just like got to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he'd already wiped out all human life in Dr. Strangelove, (laughs) so he'd look somewhere else for a... Guess so. But uh, anyway, he what he resolved to do was to make a quote-unquote good science fiction movie because... I think you guys were asking during it before this film came out, science fiction as a genre was considered to be kind of trash mm. and mm. you know, same way horror like was and still is like it's, it's, you know, like a lot of genre stuff, it's considered kind of, you know, it's a little ghettoized in the eyes of critics and maybe the, it was like a B movie. Like right. Sci-fi was B movie. Exactly. Yeah. So he wanted to make like a sci-fi movie that was actually quote unquote, a good movie. And so, like, had that, artistic integrity. Yeah, had merit. You know, that one the BBC thing. could endorse. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, he met Arthur C. Clarke, the writer, and they hit it off. And they together wrote the novel and the screenplay at the same time. So there is a novel of this as well. That blows my mind. Yeah, is and, the novel just pictures? <laughs> no um and apparently no. it explains a lot of things a lot more mm-hmm. which i don't know if you notice this movie doesn't necessarily explain a no, whole lot no yeah, it does not yeah i've never read it but uh, that's what i've read does it you does it give the term for what a three-dimensional rectangle is well i don't know what the book says but in reference to this film that uh that object, which you guys were calling the black box, I yeah, think. Yeah, they um, called it a monolith, didn't they? They call it the monolith. Who called it the monolith? Um, that was in the movie? I think it's said once or twice in the movie, and then in all other like materials referencing this movie, it's called the monolith. The monolith? Okay. Um, I think in uh, part one of this discussion, you said that uh, you'd heard that there's an obelisk. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Good. Yeah, that wouldn't be a terrible term for it either, but monolith is the accepted term for it mm-hmm. in a 2001 scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even a joke. There are entire like scholarly and academic papers and courses dedicated to this film. I mean, you can <laughs> see why, right? Mm-hmm. Just how long we could probably spend trying to pick it apart. Yeah. 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 So, um, but it also makes me realize I don't know the name for a three-dimensional rectangle. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I don't either. It's not a cube. It's not a cube. It's nope. not a sphere. God, we're dumb. It's anyway, <laughs> um, so like we said before, is directed by Stanley Kubrick. Guys, what did you think of the directing in this movie? Hmm. Well, what of his movies have you guys seen? So I'll run through them again, and you can just say yes if you've seen it. Paths of Glory. Nope. No. Lolita. Yes. Lolita? Yeah. He, wait, 
Really? Uh-huh. I, I've seen the beginning. <laughs> it's hot, isn't it? Um, Spartacus. I've, oh, uh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen Lolita, but I don't really remember it that well. But mm. no to Spartacus. Nope. Spartacus, nope. Doctor Strangelove? Yes. Uh, a Clockwork Orange? Yes. Yes. The Shining? Yes. yes. Full Metal Jacket? Unfortunately, I yes. I think so. Oh, don't like that one? I don't like it. Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah. Yeah. AI. Uh, those aren't all of his movies, but those are kind of like the, the big names I pulled out. I think that's most of them. Mess, right? He did not direct that. What? That's right. He's not the guy who directed that. One fl- I forget the guy's name. It's like a, a foreign name, like Milos or something. I think it's the same guy who made Amadeus, made wow, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's okay. Nest. Yeah, you are good at trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it comes to movies and TV. <laughs> if you ask me a math question, I'm worthless. <laughs> How many monoliths does it take to get to the end of the universe? <laughs> One. Four. Possibly four. Two. It well, takes four. All right, we'll get to that. What is the end of the universe, Bob? The star child. Is it the beginning of life? Oh, I know, right? Jesus Christ. We really should have gotten super high for this. Yeah. Um, if only. Yeah, so like I said, he uh, deliberately tried to make it uh, a little less fanciful in his depiction of space travel. He wanted it to be more kind of like hard sci-fi, which is the term for like making it scientific. So like in Star Wars, there's a hyper, there's like a hyperdrive, which is a faster than light engine, which according to what we know about science can't exist. It's just like a magic way to get from point A to point B. Mm. So rather than being sci-fi, that's like magic. It's more sci-fi. That's kind of realistic. So, you know, there's no artificial gravity. Instead, they do the spin gravity, that right. kind of thing. So oh, he wanted okay. to, and yeah. I think he was pretty successful. Like yeah. some of the de- those designs are what we use now. Like the, the spin gravity is what we would use for a space station if we made one now. Yeah, it that seemed to make sense to me. Yeah, I didn't really like the grip shoes, but although we would have to, or I guess we could do magnets, right? Magnet shoes. Yeah, and there was some. Uh, we kept commenting that there were some items that he created as sci-fi items that we actually have now. Like at one point, they're watching the BBC on what looked to be giant tablets. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they had the um, video conferencing with his daughter initially. Yeah, the uh, FaceTime. FaceTime. FaceTime and space. I was impressed with the space time. Space time. Space time. I was impressed with the amount of spaceships in this, actually. That was very surprising. The variety. The variety. Mm -hmm. um, But also, yeah, I mean, it seemed like he, someone thought about trying to make them look like they would actually function in space. Totally. But they did make the interiors kind of fanciful, and their language was fanciful. What do you mean? Well, you were saying he wasn't trying to make this like a fanciful sci-fi, but... I feel like the way they were talking was a little too fancy. Like the just their vocabulary, yeah. Or, like the hmm. doctors talking to each other was very much like. Um, well, they're smart people. It's true. Yeah. They're doctors. I mean, it was the '60s, so I guess it everything was more formal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuck out as like, just relax, guys. I know it's just a whole how bunch of Don Drapers. You're, you're just in space, <laughs> going to. But how are you going to relax when you're on such an important mission? I know. Uh, I can't divulge that information. <laughs> Or whatever he said. Uh, yeah. Um, also, I, I mean, I just for the direction, it looked really good. Mm. Right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But a little too much of it sometimes. Yes. I think it occasionally crossed the line into self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a lot of scenes that I kept thinking, this is amazing and this is great. But 
it would have been better if there was like 30% less. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are plenty of people who love this movie who are, are absolutely going to rip me apart for this opinion. Because <laughs> it'll be like, the point is to like experience it and like marinate in it and get, yeah. you know, let it wash over you. But I just like, I don't know. I have that modern sense of pacing where I'm just sort of like, I know they're go, I know where they're going. Like, I don't need to see every step along the way. Let's, let's get there. You know? Yeah. Well, and I kept thinking, I don't know. I felt like it, I was trying to make sense of it or mm. like try and predict where, where are they going with this? Yeah. Where it would go or how it aided the plot or something. And it never really did. So I guess I just couldn't relax and enjoy the ride. Hmm. Maybe on the rewatch, you'll like it better. Yeah. Right. Don't right. you think of the visuals though, at the end, it was like he was, he realized he had a deadline. He just like just threw everything out. He was just like, okay, let's 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 do negative. Let's inverse the negative. Let's make some crazy scenes and maybe because everything seemed very deliberate and like methodical and paced very well until you know Dave goes into like Tron land and then and suddenly it's an acid trip. It, well, yeah, but like it, then it like went into physical space but like different color space or not space it actually went to like deserts or whatever yeah they do i mean if it was today i would have thought that was drone footage but um i didn't even think about how they shot that i mean i guess it must have been like a helicopter okay i'll give it more credit now (laughs) it just seemed lazy maybe just a zoom lazy yeah, it just seemed like he didn't know what to do in that space. So oh, right. Like, so he didn't have an ending. So he's like, just like, I don't know. Let's make some. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay, I see. see. I don't I... think that was the case, but I can see why yeah. it comes across that way. Sorry, what were you saying? I thought that he was he was like, this is a really cool effect. I'm going to keep going Yeah. and just see how far I can take it because this is even cooler. Yeah, exactly. That's why I feel like self-indulgent mm-hmm. is kind of the term because you get the point at a certain point in that part of the movie and then it just it you keep getting more and th- that yeah. keeps happening throughout the whole thing where y- you get what, what's coming across and you've already kind of finished appreciating the the craft and the technical wizardry and you're kind of like all right let's let's move it along now and there's still five minutes left of more and, and i mean gone. it's more of a good thing but you know yeah well it's if a, you think too it's much a of a good thing, thing. yeah so- sometimes yeah a lot of Kool-Aid colors. There were a lot of Kool-Aid yeah. colors. <laughs> well, it was Kool-Aid the 60s. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I also want to point out, I, I called your attention to it during the movie. There's a famous instance of the match cut going from the bone to the ship. Oh, right. And yeah. that's, that's a technique that isn't used very much, but it's used... Uh, very effectively in this movie and it's often pointed to as this kind of like masterpiece of editing hmm. and I wrote it down to explain it but I forget which one of you said it but you got it right away about how it's drawing the visual connection between human tools mm. both primitive and advanced mm. you know from the bone weapon to the ship mm. and so yeah that was what was going on with yeah. that just needed to- we're smart we get we got it yeah, <laughs> don't need too much of an explanation <laughs> well i always i always write i mean my who notes doesn't get the bone ship my <laughs> is a dummy, all the time so. right although i did think it was clunky it was clunky because i i think the bone had already like tilted because i was expecting the spaceship to line up kind of perfectly with the bone 
So if he'd done it like a second before mm. or a second after, it might have like did this one an Oscar? I will tell you what it got. So this movie was nominated for four Oscars: best visual effects, best director, best original screenplay, and best art direction. It won one art direction visual effects. Huh. Huh. Okay. And it also won a Hugo. Which is a what's a Hugo? It's a science fiction award. Oh, uh, which I normally associate with books, but I guess they have a category for um, visual hmm. art as well. Yeah, to so, cut through from the bone to this this spaceship, I feel like people could have felt that was funny at the time. Really? Yeah, I mean, you've got an ape going nuts with a bone, <laughs> throwing it up, and then all of a sudden, space. I mean, I feel like you know it. An audience that wasn't expecting it might have been just so like shocked and jarred that they wouldn't even have like thought, or maybe they just would have laughed because they were so surprised. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So this movie also, as we discussed during the thing, innovative use of classical music. Up until this point, I guess most feature films had a score that was written for the movie, and that was actually what they started to do in this one. But um, he decided to switch it up partway through. So a couple of them. There's um, Bob. Your German skills might come in oh, handy in pronouncing this. Um, how would you pronounce that? Done, done, done. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Um, oh, also sprach Zarathustra. Wait, also sprach Zarathustra. 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 That's like um. Who wrote that? Nietzsche. Nietzsche, yeah. Uh, I tried yeah. to read that once. Oh, yeah? How was it? Was, it? I It broke my brain. <laughs> I tried to read it in German on a train. Oh, good. Going to class. Goodness. Well, hey, I man. learned nothing. I'm impressed that you even did yeah. that. Wow. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, that's that's the one that you knew, the like, dun, 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 you know, when all the- Wait, that's what the, that's the name of it? That's the name of that track, yes. Oh, my God. So that was a piece before the movie. Yes. Yeah. And then also the one I remember from that is The uh, the Blue Danube by Johann Strauss mm-hmm. II, uh, which is that kind of like the, the um, wh- what did I think of it? It's the uh, classical composition that um, synchronized swimming is always set to. Dun, dun, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of perfect for it the spaceships to be moving through air to yeah, that true because it is a little like ballet dance that they're doing yeah but it also it just it like repeats like five times in the movie. um yeah many many times yeah yeah it could get really it's like a ringtone that well, also it makes you much. feel makes you start to hate after yeah, a while yeah, yeah. yeah. No it makes you feel comfortable is. too i don't know it makes it it's relaxing yeah it's relaxing it kind of eases you into space travel <laughs> they were kind of but ballet because like the way they were spinning like the way they the ship, yeah there was an elegance right. to it the pan am yeah. space shuttle that was trying to dock yeah was, was like trying to match mirroring. the spin yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah totally. i guess the synchronized swimming really makes sense right. then oh, yeah. yeah yeah cool and then lastly i guess uh you're commenting on the special effects i don't have much written down for it but they were considered to be pioneering <laughs> for the time i get it now oh but about the music yeah the other the third musical component the voices 
of like the chorus mm. um, oh. whenever they approach the monolith. Right. That like scary yeah. high pitched sort of like. I think Whoa. that there are only a few things that kind of set me or put mm, put you on edge. Put me on edge. I was gonna say set me at ease, and I'm like, that's not what I was going no. for. I mean, it was creepy. It was very creepy, and yeah. I kind of want to. S- I want to see behind the scenes and the choir that was doing it, and what they were maybe even looking at while they were doing it. Mm. You think they were like looking at the scene, or was someone like throwing up a picture of like, I don't know, weird things for them to make howly human noises at? I don't know. Yeah. Like, Cave, make this sound. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just sounded like um, like terrified and desperate souls. I was going to say hell. Clamoring, yeah, to try and... Yeah. Oh, maybe they showed them pictures of hell hmm? oh. for inspiration. I, it also sounded like a chorus tuning. Like, you know, when you walk into the concert hall too early and the instruments are getting ready and the right. singers are also kind of prepping. Yeah, there's but kind of a discordant too- quality to it. Right, yeah. That's a better way of putting it. Uh, it was the creepiest when you when they did that sound with the space box. It was, right. Ugh. Well, and then it would get louder. That That's creepy. the other thing. He played with volume all the time. Yeah, we were constantly adjusting, like bring it down for the music and then bring it way back up for the dialogue. Yeah, you can hear any of the dialogue. You had to be a ninja with that remote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was a lot better in theaters where it was like adjusted properly mm-hmm. for you. Um well, anyway, uh, let's talk about the cast a little bit. So, first up is Kier Dulea as Dr. David Bowman. Dave. What? Oh, Dave. His name is crazy, and his name is... Kier LeBowen. K-E-I-R is his first name. Kier LeBowen. And then D-U-L-L-E-A. Dulea. Dulea? I have no idea. I've never heard of him from anything. Let's just call him this. Dave. Yeah, okay. So what did we think of Dave, <laughs> Dave, everyone? Wait, actually, this is a question I have for you. Um, his name is your name. So, like, do you... Perso- <laughs> like, do you... Do I empathize with him more? Well, does anything, yeah. like, resonate more because he has shares your name? Because I feel like if his name were Bob, I'd be like, oh, I'd think about it more. In the scenes with Hal, where Hal is saying his name, yeah, um, it does... I mean, you know, I've seen plays and movies and shows where other people have been named Dave before, so it doesn't, like, really take me out of it, but it is something that you kind of notice a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because Hal Dave. Can... And especially because Hal says Dave yeah, a lot. Yeah, super creepy. And also, those are the quotes that are so associated with this movie. So, like, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> like, what do you think you're doing, Dave? <laughs> Dave, I'm scared. Oh, I want to talk about that scene, so too. So people definitely do this to you in <laughs> in real life. You know, not as often as you think, but the one time I was murdering that woman, yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I thought, he was fine, I guess. Yeah. Was Dave the... So when they first did the scene of that spaceship that was going to Jupiter, yeah, was he the one that was running? Like, was he the... I couldn't really tell the difference between him and Frank. Oh, yeah. All right. So you I made the prediction Fra- there'd be a lot of white guys in this movie. Yeah. I, Holy shit. That was accurate. Well, yeah. And I, I didn't see one person that wasn't white. No. And almost no women. Yeah. Uh, a few women, 
but in very small roles. There wasn't even like a token girl on the mission. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I was surprised though when what was his last name? Lloyd or something like that. Dr. Floyd. Dr. Floyd. Um, when he was doing his briefing or whatever. When you name your was. kid Floyd, he's not going to be a doctor. <laughs> well, Floyd like was the last name. Last name. Well, still. <laughs> Get away Floyd, with it. If Floyd is your last Dr. name. Floyd. You're not going to have many doctors in your family. You don't meet a lot of Floyds anymore. No. no. It's yeah. a good thing. No, you don't. No offense. <laughs> Went the way of Bertha. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Floyd. It'll come back. It's Those names are starting to. Yeah, it's yeah. cyclical, right? I met a kid named Augustus once, and I was like, your dad's a fucking hipster. <laughs> And I like Roman stuff, but I was like, no. <laughs> Negative. Yeah. Well, um, where did Kier go? Because it, I've never heard of that until right now. Yeah. You know what name you don't catch a lot anymore? Adolf. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not a lot right. of Adolfs. Um, and it's not allowed in most countries, except for ours, probably. It's certainly frowned upon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, a lot of generic looking white guys, especially. Yeah. I couldn't tell a lot of them apart. I think that was intentional. That must have been intentional. No, I just think that was the way it was done back then. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. It was just a lot of Don Drapers. Hmm. You so, could... so I don't know if he's the one who was running. I'm assuming so. Actually, wasn't that Frank? Yeah, I thought it was Frank. I, that might I thought Frank. Frank had darker hair and Dave had lighter hair. But so, yeah, so that I was confused. By, I was confused by who they were trying to build a relationship with between Hal and you know frank or dave and then ultimately i rested on dave because dave was the one that showed the pictures that he was drawing of okay. everyone in hibernation mm. and then dave was the one that oh wait was dave also the one who got the him. birthday greetings from his parents or was that frank that was frank why even show that? Yeah, why show Frank? Who cares? <sighs> why why was the birthday scene even was it to just show I really think that they the should have been in their um, Power Ranger suits the entire time for us to tell them apart. Also, like the yellow and the yeah, red. I like the, the red one the best. If I like the green helmet. Two thousand. So this was supposed to be in two thousand one. Yes. All right. So Hal was made in ninety two. That's right. That's a pretty in old Urbana, machine, Illinois. Urbana. How do you remember that? Because there's a college there. Anyway, I was like, wow, Hal is old. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about Hal. Um, well, let's bring them up next. We've got... Um, what songs were made in 1992? <laughs> Douglas Rain as the voice of Hal 9000. Mm. What'd you guys think? Douglas Rain. I didn't trust Hal the moment I met him. He's too cocky. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. He's like, I never make mistakes. That's the beauty of me. I am far superior to a human, <laughs> you pathetic biological <laughs> yeah. construct. Uh. I thought he's great, and um, I guess this is cutting ahead to the plot a little bit, but the scene that hit me hardest on this viewing, and like by a mile, Mm -hmm. was the scene when Dave was shutting down Hal's brain, and when Hal was essentially begging for his life as he helplessly watched Dave lobotomize him. Yeah. Because even though his tone is flat, the words he's saying are so human, mm-hmm. you know, just like. And the Dave, tactics he uses. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm better now, Dave. You don't have to do this. Please. It won't happen again. I know we got off on the wrong foot, but, you know, it, it almost sounded like yeah. the way uh, like a spouse who was caught cheating would sort of like, dude, it's like, 
Yeah. I, I know we've hit a rough patch, but we'll definitely get past it. Yeah, I've made some mistakes. Right. I know I made some mistakes. Yeah, he murdered four people. Yeah, it's like uh, the way you're saying this, that entire series should be an R and B song that they like remix. Hal's yeah. voice. Hal, Hal's voice. I'm sure Hal has been remixed into tons of dance songs. <laughs> yeah, Dave. It's Dave. You went straight to techno for that. Oh yeah, but if you know, he's like trying to serenade, or at least I took that not as emotional, but he was just. Thinking he could deceive Dave, but Dave was already pissed. So maybe, like, yeah. but he also—I mean—one of the most effective moments that you know he's like, "I'm scared, Dave," or "I'm afraid." But I'm d- afraid. Uh, who, I mean, he can't process that he's afraid. He's saying that because he's trying to elicit right. an emotional response. He's That's... like oh, going through his own like. Well, isn't this the whole thing with AI? Yeah, I, don't think I mean, is AI. there any difference? I think he was just—he was just trained well. No, but is every time that's a very cynical way to look at it. Why? I mean, I, every I first of all, the whole emotion part of this hail thing just didn't seem relevant. Like I didn't, he didn't seem cocky. He just, it was basically our reaction to whatever he was saying. Yeah, okay, he's a computer. That's never made a mistake. That's a fact. <laughs> why am I? Why are we upset about that? Well, maybe it was the fact that he made a mistake, and that shows that he was starting to like. Like it was his deterioration from being this perfect thinking machine to being something capable of mistakes that made it like that made it human. Well, didn't know? he blame it on human error initially? He did try to deflect that way, yeah. On the with a satellite. He's yeah, like, I can't account for human error, Dave. Yeah, he did just, do that. it just seems that Hal wasn't that smart. <laughs> Ouch! But it, then he realized he was no, like he, or did he have? I don't know. A part of me is like he, Hal, wanted to do this mission all by himself and then come back and be like, look at me, Hal 9000, doing this right. I found the space box. I'm more capable than all you humans. And maybe that should have happened because it looks like Dave didn't really succeed. No, Dave became an alien. Well, isn't that succeeding? Dave? Yeah. Probably worked out okay for him. But- for yeah, I guess yeah. Hal, yeah, I guess achieved well, the mission in getting mm-hmm. them, getting at least one of them to Jupiter. Well, but I, yeah. I, the thing is, I think if I wanted Hal to be smarter the whole time, I wanted Hal to have thought two steps ahead, like he did in chess, but definitely didn't do in real life. Well, I mean, he was smart enough to read their lips when they were trying to hide it. And by the way, that conversation was like. Oh, yeah, Hal, we accept your explanation. Say, Frank, you want to join me for a conversation over in the spot where Hal can't see us real quick? Sure, Dave. Let's go over there. Well, that's the other that thing. That was great. This that whole thing. A lot, of the, a lot of the movie was about how people were, like, presenting to each other but not sharing information. Hmm. Like, yeah, that was like a lot of the movie. Who designed the mission and only shared its yeah. true purpose with Hal and not the crew. Yeah. Um, Bum me out. Hal's mm. given too much power. Yeah. Um, also, one part that really freaked me out was when the little, I don't know what you'd call the small spaceship that left the main spaceship. Uh, to, the pod. The pod. Yeah. pod. To fix the satellite with Frank in it. When it turned around on its when own. When it turned around. Yeah, yeah. It was like, ooh. It was like something out of a monster movie. Yeah. And then when you were inside the spaceship and you were like from Dave's point of view and you saw 
Frank just start tumbling <laughs> yeah. towards space. And then the pod went even faster. It was very startling. Yeah. Especially given how slow and like measured right. everything had been up until that point. So slow. That yeah. was and I think that's honestly what Here's where I think Cal got it wrong, right? Okay. He like threw this pod just to the wind, or there's no wind in space, but just threw it out after he thought he took care of Frank. He should have kept that and attacked Dave when he went out with it. Or just explode the exploding bolt thing that's on the back of the pod that Dave was on. Maybe he didn't have remote control. Yeah, he did. They would always tell, oh, maybe he didn't. Because he could control the pods inside the ship. Right, but not once they were out. Except he could. Because that's how yeah, because he did Frank that to Frank died. So why oh, did he get, right? So why didn't he take control of Dave's pod? I don't know, man. Maybe Dave said that, it for no, manual. I asked Stanley that, yeah. Kubrick. I asked why? that while we were watching it, and I was like, but, but then you said manual override. Manual override. Which I was like, that's a great assumption. Well, so if he kept only... the other pod instead of throwing it away with Frank, well, there's a third pod in the bay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Who's what's, the third person that never? Well, there were like there. four other guys who. Died in their sleep who never got Ugh, to wake up. What a way to go. Well, not as bad as dying out in the cold vastness know, of space. I Jesus know. Christ. Also, I think Frank was just dead. When I he hope he it. was because that, that is the most terrifying possible way to die yeah. to me. Just like being thrown out into space, like seeing your ship recede mm-hmm. and nope. just being helpless. Oh, my God. I like. I think it would be kind of, I don't know. Peaceful? peaceful? Bob. If you're not spinning, yeah, the spinning is really. Well, also it. if you're like you can see all the stars cool dying, it, yeah, like if too. you can just get to that mental state where you're like, all right, well, this is how it well, ends. If you went to space the in the first place, you terrifying. better be the impotence, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, anyway, well, long story short, I thought Hal's begging for his life was the most emotionally moving part of the movie, and it was the part on this rewatch where I was the most like. I might have to reevaluate this mm. movie and like knock it up a few rungs in mm. my mind. Like th- I was really, I was really affected by it emotionally. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was very good. Yeah, and it's surprising that I responded emotionally the most to the unfeeling machine. Mm. You know, I think that's probably what they. That's like a contradiction that they wanted. Yeah, I think so. As um, the cassette tapes are being ejected from his brain. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of impotence, he was watching Dave do it, but couldn't do anything to stop him. That yeah. sucks. Let's bring it to one more guy in this movie, and that's Daniel Richter as the chief man ape from the opening <laughs> scenes. Was and that the bone wielder? I, I guess, yeah, the bone. Yeah. The bone wielder. And guys, I got this off of Wikipedia. The opening sequence involving the tribe of apes, they got professional mime daniel richter and in addition to being the lead ape also choreographed the movements of the other man apes who were mostly portrayed by his mime troupe yes. wow they were mimes oh i like that's that. great that's yeah. really good are they french mimes i hope to god they I mean, are <laughs> i already had them in like stripes in my head yeah. oh my god why they, mimes because they don't they know physicality and expressing themselves without words i guess i guess yeah i mean hey i mean i thought they were all right there were no andy circus but they did okay yeah i mean i mean to be honest i didn't believe that there were monkeys in it until i saw the monkeys in it or apes sorry different animal but until um, you saw the baby one the baby well 
ape. When we were talking about before, and I was like, oh, towards the end of the movie, I thought there'd be like a Planet of the Apes thing. When they had apes at the beginning, I was like, I was so glad when you brought that out right at the end of part one. And I was like, oh, yes. What a great prediction. But this makes me. There are apes. There's a Simpsons uh, parody of this. There is. And by the way, um, you're asking what awards it won. I could be mistaken, but I believe I read that um, it was. Let me see. It was nominated for Best Art Direction. And I think it lost to Planet of the Apes. Did it really? Oh, so it came out the same year? Let me look it up. Because I, I, I think what happened was they were up for the same award. That's confusing. For doing ape makeup. And they lost to Planet of the Apes. And, like, some of them were a little bitter about it. Let me look at... Um, Two future-type movies that involve apes. Seems like... Was Planet of the Apes... Seems like Hollywood does that a lot. based was was Planet of the Apes supposed to take place in the future? Or did um, it take place in the future? Well. Have you seen it? No. It, um, Planet of the Apes, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Planet of the Apes is some human astronauts uh, crash land. They go through a wormhole and they crash land on a planet. And there are primitive humans who they can't communicate with and intelligent human-like apes hmm. who, like, rule the planet. It's a planet of apes. And the hmm. humans are more like dumb animals like apes. Okay. And humans are like slaves. They go through the whole movie. And then um, at the end, uh, the main human, played by Charlton Heston, if I'm not mistaken, oh, yeah. discovers uh, the destroyed ruin of the statue of liberty on a beach and he's like you fools you blew it up you blew it up and what it means is that um it's like an m night Shyamalan-esque twist at the end where the wormhole didn't send them into space it sent them forward in time and what it's positing is that mankind had a nuclear war that destroyed everything and after that humans regressed and apes took over the planet and that's planet of the apes uh so to answer that question, Bob, at the Academy Awards, an honorary award was made to John Chambers, the guy who did the makeup for Planet of the Apes, and um, Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the screenplay, was bitter about it, being like, you know, we had apes too. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's what happened. Anyway, what did you guys think of the of the apes? I just think that it was kind of incredible. There's a shot with one of them getting attacked by a cheetah. Yeah. And I was like, God, how'd they get that? Like, it looked very <laughs> dangerous. I thought it was a little drawn out. As a lot was as in this movie. As a lot. As, <laughs> Could yeah. use maybe 20, 30% less. Yeah, I didn't. I got the idea after 15 minutes, <laughs> but they stayed on for, to make it 25. I mean, even the ape realizing that a bone could be a weapon, I was like, we get it. We get it. Keep keep moving, man. Yeah. So the only thing that I thought was like, okay, you're trying to really hit home with the point here is like the space box arrive and they, they figure out a tool and then, wait, then the space box arrives again, but Hal was already made in 1992 before the space <laughs> box arrived, so... Well, not to get too far ahead, but um, one of the interpretations of the movie is that the arrival of the space box or monolith tends to happen at moments when humans make jumps in our evolution. Right. Mm. And so it's like from 
apes to tool-wielding humans, and then from humans to the star child at the end. Oh, so he's not going back to Earth. He's just becoming an alien in the live in outer space. <laughs> I mean, yes, although I do think he is sort of like in his new alien form. He is next to Earth at the end. He's just kind of looking at it. That's right. also depressing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought with the monkeys that it was like when humans encounter the monolith. That's when momentous thing is achieved by mankind that it like prompted it not that it was like caused by it no that it that it caused the change in evolution that it's responsible that was responsible for it like that we evolved as a result of encountering this monolith Uh, versus like it just being there as a marker or something i think i think that's equally plausible and i i I don't know what the movie is trying to say if it's leaning one way or the other um, it did remind me of David Lynch so much. Mm. Hmm. Like in what way? And just being like very abstract. Yeah. Just how unclear. strange it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And visually odd. Although it's such a striking visual mm-hmm. that that monolith. So I wonder, I mean, are they alive? <laughs> the monolith? Are they? Are I don't they know. Like, was it? What's the word? Satian? sentient sentient i don't know yeah yeah because they i mean if it buried itself i don't know if it buried itself but But then then it was floating at the end like yeah and it was only 40 what did they say it was only 40 feet below jupiter's surface when they were going to jupiter maybe it's an ai Mm. maybe extraterrestrials built it you know just to like go out and start creating more like biological controller that could be it's like an n64 controller exactly um, so let's talk about the plot and some of your predictions, especially. So <laughs> what I wrote down is, all right, one, Bob, you thought there would be an obelisk. Yeah. I'd say that was Good correct. Job. But I mean, I think cultural references told me that. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of what we're looking for here. You know, how much have you picked up just through osmosis? Yeah. Um, someone here thought that it would be very arty. Yeah, I was right. And aesthetically beautiful, possibly like Ex Machina or Melancholia. Melancholia. Mm. I think we can say absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You know, aesthetically, we were talking about other things that have taken, like, that have been influenced by this movie or taken images and homaged it later. I was just, like, writing down movies that it was reminding me of at different moments. Yeah, there was a lot. There were a lot. I mean, honest to God, I think Star Wars just stole some sets oh, from this. yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> the dock at the space station is yeah, like exactly the hangar of a Star mm-hmm. Destroyer mm-hmm. and a bunch of the other Well, even the shots, like even the framing, too. there's just certain things where I'm like, is this Star, Star Wars. Wars movie? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Star Wars came out about nine years after that in 77. Mm-hmm. So George Lucas was like probably a big fan. I'm sure he'd seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, you mentioned Close Encounters. Oh, yeah. I thought Alien, too, mm. and some, especially what you were mentioning, how that, um, like, choir put you on edge. I think Alien's sound design has some of that, and it certainly yeah. has, like, the long shots of the ships moving through space and through atmospheres, kind of intending to build your tension and mm. dread, um, you know, just holding on the mundane tasks, and yet it's serving to build up the tension a little yeah. bit and the sound design and then bob 
a reference that you pulled out that I was amazed by was that Hal reminded you right. of a one-off <laughs> villain from Batman the Animated Series in the 1990s, a computer also with a red eye called Hardak. Hardak. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing pull. I couldn't wow. remember the name of the, but like that eye just. The things you remember. You no, know, I mean, that was a badass villain in I guess so. Batman the Animated Series. And I mean, the eye is very recognizable. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, there are times where I'm like, I know I've seen this I'm sure you reference have, yeah. or maybe I've seen this movie before and I've completely forgotten, but there were certain images that look or just like um scenes that look so familiar i haven't seen the movie before but oh i mean it's been referenced and parodied in tons of things right at the end of the movie bob you were saying that the colors of the trippy sequence reminded you of a trapper keeper oh yeah well in the south park episode trapper keeper yeah um <laughs> it's also a parody of terminator where cartman's trapper keeper goes on to become a skynet and uh, <laughs> someone goes back in time to stop it but the skynet that he creates out of it is got a hal scene where kyle goes into the cartman trapper keeper mainframe and is oh pulling God. the brain out and cartman's like what are you doing kyle <laughs> i'm afraid i can't let you do that Kyle." <laughs> yeah so it was just a weird coincidence uh, that you'd say good. that um well but also not if you, I mean, the visuals of that was like crazy laser lights. Give me that background in second grade so I could There's, have that for my like. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, there is grade school a relatively recent movie that we've seen, Bob, that also ripped that off. That scene? Yeah. It, I'm, Interstellar? I'll have to think. It. Oh, was, Interstellar took a lot. Of oh, yeah. yeah. Interstellar, like Interstellar. the entire end was like, oh, yeah, okay. Where they're in like. Some... And also the ship design and the like silent yeah. exterior space shots. Yeah. Yeah. Some version of space where it was just like grids that they had to navigate walk through. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I've seen that. Recently? Like within the past five years. That's recent. Oh. Uh, someone predicted that there would be a machine named Hal and that it would win. That did not Oh, happen. yeah. See, I thought that would happen. Yeah, I was surprised that the that the ending was that we turn into alien babies or star babies. I thought the the end was that we create a tool more powerful than ourselves and basically create our own destruction. Yeah. Well, I mean, tons of sci-fi has that as the premise. Yeah. The Matrix. But Terminator. Hal was stupid. Like Hal had plenty <laughs> of ways yeah. to, to save That's himself. That's what you think. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I might disagree on him being stupid. Um, well, now you have a soft spot for Hal. That's so. true. <laughs> I feel bad for Hal. Because um, he kept saying your name, Dave. I know. I, I really love hearing my own name. <laughs> uh, some of these we've addressed before, but a couple more that I want to hit. So, Jess, 2001 was indeed the year. <laughs> <laughs> there were no aliens that... Uh, there may have been aliens in the form of that there monolith. There could have been 2001 aliens. I mean... But yeah, not that many. Mm. Um, and then wait, maybe 2001 was how many minutes it took. For the... It certainly felt like it, didn't it, <laughs> mm-hmm. Bob? I think you predicted that the uh, special effects would be lame. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, I'm glad. I I definitely think they hold up really well. Yeah, yeah. they do. I mean, do you think they would be lame for the time or lame by your I, current? You, I was thinking you thought they would just be dated. Well, yeah, dated and like The Shining. Uh, just like that movie kind of sucks because it's just like slow <laughs> Strong take. and like ooh 
let's give like a two seconds of action and then like a whole sweeping scene of like well, New Hampshire's what, beautiful outdoors. And, that's what happened here. Well, here, honest, but that, but I agree with you, by the way, about The Shining. Yeah. Although I haven't seen the whole thing, so I'm going to have to do this podcast. Well, the Shining, for, really? I've just seen parts of it. Well, I think you've probably seen it if you've seen parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. There should be Cliff Notes Kubrick per vid- <laughs> like in video form. And there are tons of those. Like video essays about him. Yeah. No, but not video, but like basically his his movies, like just like pull out the main points and then. Oh my God. Yeah. Totally. Like just uh, an all action cut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But talk about missing the point of a Kubrick movie, Bob. It's true. Last but not least, you guys, based on a lot of people's reactions, had the prediction that the movie would be boring. (laughs) Did you think it was boring? It was boring, but in a good way. (laughs) Huh. In a way, I appreciated the boredom. I can see the poster now. Boring, but in a good way, <laughs> says Bob Geely of the Boston Globe. I mean, it's still boring, but there's engagement in it every yeah. five to ten minutes. I mean, we keep coming back to the fact that we think that what we're seeing and experiencing is incredibly like skillfully done and cool and great to watch but there's just a little too much of it right yeah yeah and that's I, where the boredom and it did sets go, in it, it for me it really did go by faster than what i was expecting so i guess in that so i didn't you were consistently entertained i guess yeah. it was definitely drawn out but i wasn't bored yeah you weren't checking your watch uh, or anything yeah it was like just that. kind of like okay come on let's move on to the next scene yeah you know what it reminded me of it reminded me a bit about being at my grandparents' house, and like everything's a little bit dated, so it's just like you're out of context. You're trying to figure out like why mm-hmm. some of the stuff looks that way, but there's like enough to keep you engaged when you get to a point where you want to leave that you just stay. Hmm. I, I guess that's where I was at my grandparents' house. It, it's kind of like there's something either aesthetically or something about it is appealing to you there's a candy jar that you can remember that like every now and then like gives you mm-hmm. a little bit like a visual candy and then you're like oh wait that's new that's great i like that and then it just like that's mm-hmm. so, like gives you enough mm-hmm. yeah. as you're going for me it was like you're every scene it was like you're here for a purpose what is it and so you just i just kept plodding along being like all right well eventually it will reveal itself oh to try to figure it out yeah and it doesn't, but even though it doesn't, sure doesn't. it seems like you are still kind of entertained. Yeah, and then even at the at the very end, in that strange, like uh, I don't know, Renaissance revival. Wait, in that I don't bedroom. understand that at all. Yeah, the- no one does. Yeah, a few people have taken a stab at it, though. We'll get to that. Yeah. Before we move on to some of that, I just want to talk about one other thing that I thought of during this movie, which is I know it's kind of silly and a little far-fetched, but it puts I think our current world situation into an interesting, sharp relief, which is in this movie, we have the government reacting to what it thinks could possibly be first contact with extraterrestrial life, right? And so the American government is planning for this and reacting to this. And there are many movies or TV shows where that happens, like, you know, Independence Day and Mm. Star Trek First Contact or Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. you know, where the American government has to react to first contact with aliens. Imagine the American government reacting to first contact with intelligent alien life. 
and imagine that the president is Donald Trump. No, no I was going to say with current administration. Oh my gosh. How do you think it would go, you guys? Well, we'd have the Space Force really in full effect at that point. Oh, that's true. Actually, maybe this would be the administration best equipped to my, deal. My question is, does Donald Trump have a bone in his hand or not? <laughs> Oh my god, I hope not. <laughs> anyway, well, sorry to make it uh I, contemporary politics. Yeah. yeah. I would also say that we've already <laughs> we've already encountered life and the super high level intelligence agencies are withholding information from Oh, so you think like him. you're like a Roswell truther. Uh yes, I would Interesting. Uh, well, actually the New York Times Oh, there was that, that New York Times article about UFO, like actual UFO sightings. Like, yeah, I didn't know what to think at that point. I'm like, I guess it was creepy as hell. We're not alone. Yeah, I forgot about conceivably. that. conceivably. And the New York Times is not giving us anything other than this is what was seen over San Diego three years ago. It's the one time I'd want to believe that New York Times is fake news. Yeah. I know, right? So moving along. And we can come back to the plot if you want to reference anything else. But um, let's talk a little bit about how this movie did. So I talked about the awards that it was nominated for and won. Here's how it did at the box office. It made between 140 and $190 million on a 10 to $12 million budget. Wow. Which, wow. keep in mind, this is 1960s yeah. money. So that actually translates into $500 trillion. No. No, but a lot. <laughs> Like, oh my god <laughs> hell died for a good cause <laughs> I know, right? real. um now in terms of the critical <laughs> reaction to this movie this film was very polarizing when it came out some people loved it some people hated it is this a republican democrat divide i don't know about that but um someone made the claim that at the new york premiere of the movie 250 people walked out at the la premiere uh rock hudson was at it and not only did he leave early but he was heard to be muttering to himself what is this bullshit <laughs> wait who's rock hudson he was a movie star back in the day okay um what is this bullshit i know <laughs> the movie and um this was funny that i dug up a few months into after the release the studio people realized that a lot of people were watching it while smoking funny cigarettes oh man so they Wacky made a new bed. poster that said 2001 the ultimate trip yes oh capitalize i know right and i mean you can certainly see that last half hour baked off your ass yeah, yeah i mean did kubrick do drugs because i don't know that would, would explain the, the reason why the scenes were so long <sighs> yeah that too roger ebert gave the movie four stars and out of five? Out of four. And he no said thumbs. the film succeeds magnificently on a cosmic scale. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, my God. On the other hand, Pauline Kael said that it was, quote, a monumentally unimaginative movie. Who is she? She's a different famous film critic. And uh, wait, I know Ebert, but who's Paula Kael? Pauline Kale. Pauline Kale. Um, she's just uh, another famous film critic yeah. who is uh, no longer Roll with it, alive. I, um, I mean, she said there's no imagination in it. That's, so did yeah, it, that I disagree with. Bogus. Yeah. Did it achieve the the one of the goals, which was to bring sci-fi out of the schlocky camp and 
make it an actual. It did. Like critically, it was. Well, I guess if it won. Well, in addition to that, um, just getting into the legacy a little bit. So 2001 is widely considered to be not only one of the greatest, but also one of the most influential films ever made. Whoa. Influential for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've we've been talking a lot about how we've kind of seen visual and like auditory references to this movie all through the culture, you mm-hmm. know, in other films and commercials. And, you know, I mean, that like, you know, the monolith. Uh, the spoke Zarathustra music yeah. plays whenever they're un- revealing a new product, no matter what it is. Oh, it's yeah. like you know, Firestone has a new tire coming out. It's like, <laughs> dun, dun, it's like, it's like new Genesis Pop-Tart. for all sci-fi, really. Yeah, yeah. It was added to the Library of Congress as a work of culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant importance, and so marks How of are preservation. They preserving that in what format? I don't know. VHS? I'm assuming on actual film. I, oh. Um, Isn't that flammable? Yeah. They got to be real careful yeah. with it. We all saw Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> um, sight and Wait, Sound. Wait, I didn't see that. Oh, really? No. Well, spoiler alert. Okay. Sight and Sound magazine ranked 2001 uh, sixth on the top 10 films of all time. Huh. Twice in 2002 and in 2012. And when it polled directors in 2012, it tied for second. Yeah, because there's a lot of ideas there. Yeah, and the uh, the Moving Arts Film Journal named it the greatest film of all time. Wow. I know. Uh, Ebert also, as we mentioned, was a big fan and listed it highly in a bunch of his books. How old was he when that came out? 25? He would have been young. Yeah. Yeah, but he was already, you know, a film critic. How did he get that job? He was really good at being a film critic. Okay. Um, I mean, he was. Well, yeah, he was, but how does he? How does that even happen? Well, oh, I don't know. So if I knew, that'd be my job right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I just want to bring it back to one other review that I saw, which was by Renata Adler, who's not a critic I was familiar with, but um, her review for the New York Times was that the film was somewhere between hypnotic and immensely boring. <laughs> uh, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah, that's why I noted it because I was like, that's kind of right on. Yeah. The hypnotic part is achieving its aims, and the immensely boring part is the little bit extra that he couldn't bring himself to cut. Yep. Yeah. I mean, part of this could also be the fact that, like, I think I've mentioned this before, films are just paced a little bit slower mm. back mm-hmm. at that time. We are used to a much faster paced, not only film, but just, like, the way we absorb information visually, stuff that an older movie would spell out mm. more, we kind of get with a quick shot, and we're right. kind of... I process this. I'm done with it. I don't want to stay on it anymore. The film just moves faster. I wonder if there was another aspect to it where it was trying to, uh, in a way, simulate the pace of life, right? Because life is boring. But then there are like yeah. hypnotic parts. There are like some visual candy parts. And then, then I mean, certainly back. in that part at the end, there were visual cues that suggested stages of life. You oh, know, yeah. we saw like oh. the womb, the oh, fetus, yeah. the sperm, yeah, in the room. like in the yeah. Room. Oh, yeah, and the room, yeah, the stages of life, definitely. And also, by the way, when I say that we process info faster, I don't necessarily mean that as like an unalloyed good. Like, there's a certain extent to which our attention spans are just much oh, no. mm-hmm. shorter now. So, at baby boomers, they just can't process. <laughs> They're all dumb. You hear that, boomers? Thanks yeah. for ruining the economy. Y'all suck. Anyway, so we've ta- been talking about interpreting the movie a little bit. When it comes to figuring out just what the hell was going on in that film, some people take a look at the novel, which I guess explains a little bit more about what's going on. 
How many pages is that? I don't know. I've never read it. That's huge. But um, and you also could you know choose whether or not to take the novel as definitive about the movie or not. You know, mm. but in, in the novel, the monolith is explicitly identified as a tool created by extraterrestrials that goes and visits organic life forms and inspires them to the next stage of evolution okay that makes sense and um also i think it's kind of noteworthy we mentioned it while watching the movie that the first tool humans make is a weapon Hmm. you know yeah it just you know it kind of reflects on humans a little bit yeah i have a hard time believing that one though well Well, it was really apes (laughs) yeah fuck apes yeah the apes of course are gonna make a weapon some people interpret the movie religiously, thinking about the monolith as being kind of representative of God. That makes sense. Mm. I mean, yeah, I definitely thought the apes were going to turn it into a god. I thought yeah, it was you going mentioned watching it being that. like, this is how a religion starts. Yeah, yeah, I then, see that definitely. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go in that direction. Actually, yeah. yeah but and then I was like, a- oh, I guess it's inspiration for <laughs> something else becoming evil. Right. The, the well, religion. The Simpsons parody. I. <laughs> When I saw it originally, I thought it was the fact that, like, monkeys were worshipping a rock in The Simpsons period. I, like, I just, I have, like, a flash of it in my you head. You could be right. I know The Simpsons is, have parodied multiple parts of yeah. this movie. I just can't quite place that exact uh, instance. Uh, a bunch of people look at the Nietzsche tract, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Yeah. Because, you know, there's the uh, the song and also some parallels. Um Nietzsche writes either in that or in some of his other work the the he writes about the idea that man is a bridge between ape and ubermensch mm. so these stages of evolution that are kind of reflected in the movie too if you take that like mm. star child to right. be the ubermensch that and then um sense. and actually in a different work Nietzsche identifies the child or some kind of child as the last step before the superman uh so le- hmm. leading more support the child to I don't know. I, I pulled it off Wikipedia. Okay. Thinking about HAL 9000, some people have compared him to Frankenstein's monster. You know, just an artificial intelligence created by humans that then mm-hmm. runs amok. And uh, Ebert, in his discussion of the film, points out that the artificial intelligence in the movie actually kind of behaves the most human out of all the characters. Like, yeah. all the human characters are a little robotic in the way they go about yeah. their lives and their interactions. That's a good call. The way they ate the food. Yeah. And Hal actually has like arrogance and paranoia and, you know, uh, so I'd say fear. I'd say Dr. Floyd definitely had some arrogance going on. Oh, yeah. That guy's um, a dick. He's a bad dad, too. Oh, yeah. He doesn't get. Sorry, uh, I'm not coming to your birthday, daughter. And he doesn't get her a bush baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or maybe he does. We just yeah. don't see it. Yeah. Well, anyway, one last little tidbit about the movie, a little piece of trivia. In 2010, Warner Brothers located 17 additional minutes of lost footage perfectly preserved in a Kansas salt mine vault. Next to an obelisk? I mean, a monolith? What? Yes. And the man who discovered it. There was a monolith in there? Is named Hal. How did you know? Wait, you're joking. That's creepy. I am joking, yeah. But um, yeah, apparently the movie was once even longer. Oh yeah. Why was it preserved? Why was it an assault mine? I don't know. Maybe the 
you know, that was just a good place to make a vault or something about that is good for preserving film. And Kubrick film. was like, put it there. <laughs> Keep it well, away from the tornadoes. Kubrick was actually pretty adamant about not adding extra footage and like the cut he made being the cut yeah. and not messing around with it. But uh, And so it, there's no hmm. like plan to actually like release it with the extra footage. But um, I just think it's amusing that this movie was... I mean, all movies are kind of, you know, longer before they're cut for the theatrical mm-hmm. cut. But still, there's even more. <laughs> and uh, who knows how many other <laughs> bits of film could be found in other salt mines. I know, honestly. <laughs> um, At this point. There's an extra two hours to the David Lynch Dune. <laughs> but, no, uh, no, don't do that. I know. Don't do that to yourself. So, guys, let's start wrapping it up with some last thoughts about the movie. What did you guys think when all is said and done? I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can roll this into the central question of the podcast, which is, do you consider seeing this film to be better late or never? Keeping in mind that the way you should interpret that question is better late means that this film is somehow kind of essential as a movie fan to have seen in your life and never means it's a film that if you never see, that's just a okay. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's added a piece to my life that I can now view when I see more sci-fi movies and then also car commercials. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that, I already knew it was related whenever that, you know, the song, da, da, song. Yeah. Da, da. But I think it's better late. Yeah, it sounds like better late to because, me. Because um, I don't know. I, if it's an experience. I glad. I'm glad I went through it. I probably not going to do it again. But certainly not for a while. No, I was glad to see it the second time, but I hadn't seen it in like ten years, and I feel like that was the right amount of time mm. to go in between. Yeah. What about you, Jess? Yeah, I would say better late than never. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Why? Um, there are just so many cultural references. And I think it's interesting that we've, we're still, and I, I feel as though there are a lot of movies that are coming out now, which are grappling with AI and dealing with similar concepts and, and the fact that we still can't really wrap our heads around it or everyone has a slightly different take on it. Yeah. And this is kind of one of the first to really uh, yeah. deal with that premise. It ha- I mean, it did a lot of things well and it, showed that it was sort of ahead of its time and it still it still holds up like i like the the visuals the space visuals like they, they're still pretty legit and the fact that the space scene where dave gets um like exploded into space and it doesn't make noise i really like that yeah the scenes in space that are was silent legit it's accurate it's like, yeah. yeah and it was scarier for that too mm-hmm. more yeah. intense yeah well you know this isn't my first time watching it but like i said i went into this with a little bit of trepidation that it was going to be a dull experience for me seeing it the second (laughs) time, but I actually really enjoyed seeing it again. So I'm glad we did this. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Better late twice for you. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for doing this guys. And I guess I'll catch you on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. Yeah. And um, if you want to just do a little outro with me, Jess, it's up to you if you want to join, but Bob, you definitely have to. <laughs> I'll let you guys do it. Dun, 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 dun,